Shift. We are in week five of our little series um, called Shift. If you're here um, for the first time, let me just give you a quick, I'm not going to recap all the four messages before this. They're all online at thegatheringnow.com. But uh, what, what we mean by shift is we said this in the first week. So um, God, we feel like God's shifting things in our city. He's shifting things in our church. And so sometimes when we think shift, we think, oh, so he wants us to see different things. And what we said was, no, he wants us to see things differently. So we might see the same thing but have a little bit of a shift in how we see it, and that can make all the difference in the world. We've covered all kinds of topics. Um, it's been really good. It would be well worth your time to go back and see whichever ones that you've missed, okay? But today we're just going to jump right in. i got a question for you. I don't know if you're going to agree with me or not. I'm hoping that I have some common ground with you. But here's the question. Have you ever been in a relationship that was full of tension? Oh, okay, good. So a few of you. You're all lying. We've all been there, right? Like, we've all been in these relationships that are so full of tension. It doesn't matter what you do, how nicely you do it, the other person doesn't receive it well, right? Have you, like, uh, uh, to the married couples, okay? So if you're not married, just imagine that this hopefully never happens to you. But a lot of people, like, you, the tension is so much in that relationship. You could get up in the morning, fix breakfast, like eggs, bacon, the whole deal, serve it to your spouse and say, I love you. And they'd be like, what? You know, like, uh, I just love you. Why? I mean, it's just like, like, wait, I'm just trying to do something. Why? You know, it's just, it's crazy. Like, the tension just keeps going up. And no matter what you do, as long as you can't get on the other side of it, bring it down. Like, so do you see what I'm talking about? This is the kind of relationship I'm talking about. I don't want us to all be in those, but we can all relate. Maybe a coworker, or, you know, people that we're in these, and it's like, no matter what you do, that tension just keeps rising, right? So I told you. When we started this, we're in Luke 19 and 20. I told you what you'd see as we get to the end of Luke is that Jesus and the religious leaders have one of those relationships, right? This tension has kind of been boiling under the surface, but now it's going to start, like, erupting, right, and coming out. And if you haven't been able to pick up on it before now, our passage today, I'm going to read it to you. I think you'll be like, oh, yeah, I see it, right? I see that tension. It's really coming out. So we're in Luke chapter 20. Um, what's going to happen is Jesus is going to get asked a couple of questions, and he's going to respond with a couple of questions, and then he's going to tell a story. Okay, that's what's going to happen. You ready? Here we go. I'm going to read it all to you, and it's going to be up on that screen as well. Here we go. Luke chapter 20, start verse 1. One day as Jesus was teaching the people and preaching the good news in the temple, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders came up to him. They demanded. I'm not preaching on this, but I just want to say be careful about demanding things of Jesus, right? So let's just keep going. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? And who gave you the right? Let me ask you a question first, he replied. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? How many of you are already lost? Raise your hand. It's okay. You don't, you're like, I'm not going to raise my hand. It's okay. It all makes sense in a minute, okay? Verse 5. They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he's going to ask us why we didn't believe John. But if we say it was merely human, the people will stone us because they're convinced John was a prophet. So they finally replied that they didn't know. And Jesus responded, then I'm not going to tell you by what authority I do these things. Now Jesus turned to the people again and told them this story. A man planted a vineyard, leased it to tenant farmers, and moved to another country to live for several years. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers attacked the servant, beat him up, and sent him back empty-handed. So the owner sent another servant. But they also insulted him, beat him up, and sent him away empty-handed. 
A third man was sent, and they wounded him and chased him away. What will I do, the owner asked himself. I know. I'll send my cherished son. Surely they will respect him. Verse 14. But when the tenant farmers saw this son, they said to each other, here comes the heir to the estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. Some of you are like, not listening, but I just said kill, and you're like, oh, this is getting good. So they dragged him out of the vineyard and murdered him. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do to them, Jesus asked. Verse 16, I'll tell you, he will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. How terrible that such a thing should ever happen, his listeners protested. And Jesus looked at him and said, then what does this scripture mean? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Everyone who stumbles over that stone will, will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone it falls on. And the teachers of religious law and the leading priests wanted to arrest Jesus immediately because they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Okay, so there's a lot going on, yes, in that passage, a whole lot going on. But if we could just boil it all down to one theme, I would say the theme is authority, okay? More specifically, the theme would be the, the religious leaders having a hard time accepting the authority that Jesus has, okay? And we can understand why, because they have power and they have authority and they don't want to see who else get it, right? But that's the deal. So that makes them a lot like us. You're like, I'm not a Pharisee. I don't wear crazy hats and, like, robes, right? But we're all the same when it comes to authority. Most people on the planet struggle with authority. Like, I don't. Let me give you some examples. Bosses, right? Hey, students, if I got teens and preteens in, in the room, teachers. Like, when they say, you're going to do this, you're like, Pfft. you know, like, everybody, everybody's ever popped a Z in your life. You struggle with authority, right? Like, Pfft. Telling me nothing, right? Like when when law enforcement pulls you over, or when you even see somebody in law enforcement, like we struggle with authority. Can I be really vulnerable? Pastors, like when somebody in authority over you says we should do this, we typically kind of like we struggle with authority. So I think there's something we can learn in this passage, and I'm gonna I'm gonna share three approaches. Okay, we'll go through through them one at a time. I'll give you all three right up front. Three approaches that we can take when it comes to authority, okay? So three things we can do with authority. The first thing we can do is we can suspect it. The second thing we can do is reject it, or finally we can accept it, okay? So let's take them one at a time. We'll talk about the first one first because that's what you do with the first ones. Suspect it, okay? So suspect it. That's one thing we can do when it comes to authority. I would argue that suspecting authority is probably the most common among all of us. So let me just explain what I mean by suspecting. What we see in this passage is the religious leaders are questioning Jesus's authority, right? They're asking him questions. Now look, how many of you have ever had somebody in authority over you do something and you're like, I don't know about that? Raise your hand. Usually we're like, I don't know what to do with that, right? Do I ask them about it? Do I challenge them? What do I do? I'm going to say it's normal to question authority. It's normally kind of be skeptical sometimes of authority. In our culture, there's a lot of skepticism about authority, okay? So when I say suspect it, I mean like question it. Like not take it just at face value 
And so what, the, what these Pharisees are doing, they're asking Jesus questions. Again, there's nothing wrong with asking an authority a question. If I said something that you're like, I don't know about that, you should come say, you said something, and I thought, eh, and we should have a conversation, right? But here's the deal. In this story, these men are not honestly questioning Jesus' authority. Whenever you question authority, whenever I question authority, whenever somebody questions our authority, there's always a question behind the question, okay? So what I love about Jesus is he's brilliant, right? Do you agree that Jesus is smarter than all of us? I think he is. So he knows what's going on in their head. And so when they're like, by whose authority, he knows they don't really want to know whose authority. They're asking a question, but there's a question behind the question, And when it comes to questioning authority, there's only two questions behind the question. And here they are. Do you want an answer or do you want to fight? And Jesus knew that these these jokers, they just wanted to fight. So I love Jesus. Have you ever had a teacher who, when you ask them a question, answer you with a question? Did it drive you nuts? Did it make you learn? Yes. So I love Jesus. They ask him a question. He's like, well, let me ask you a question. He's like, well, what? I'm so confused. It's like, if you can answer my question, then I'll answer your question. And the reason he did it was just to show them, help them realize they didn't really want an answer. They just want to fight. He knew that it didn't matter what he said. These men were going to want to fight him. And so he responded to their question about authority with his own question about authority. I'm sure he knew they wouldn't answer it. And so he had... Yeah, I don't know what you do with people like when you uh, are having a conversation, uh, I'm sorry, a disagreement, and it like ends up like this. Have you ever had those? You know like we're at an impasse. I don't agree with you. You don't agree with me. And the volume's going up and up and up. How many of you, when it gets really super intense, you just go stop, you stop and go, hey, I got an idea. Let's tell a story. No, that's not your plan. Only one person here. That's, we don't typically be like, Let's read something together, right? But Jesus' approach is as it, as it escalates, the tension is rising and rising, and he's just like, I got a story. So he tells a story. And he tells a story to help us see the second thing that we can do with authority, and that's reject it. Because that's ultimately what these guys wanted to do. So before we really talk through the story, I want to make sure you know we read, that we've already read it. Who the people are in the story, okay? So if you remember, there's a vineyard, right? So the, there's an owner of the vineyard, and the owner of the vineyard is God. The vineyard is Israel, the Jews, okay? Remember we, we talked about the wicked farmers? Remember the wicked farmers? Those are the religious leaders. We know that because they realize that at the end, like, oh, Jesus is telling a story about us. We're the wicked farmers. This, the 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 servants that were sent out to get the owner's portion, those would be the prophets and the priests. So when you're reading the Old Testament and you read like Old Testament prophets, that's who Jesus is talking about. All the people that came before Jesus to try to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish. And they didn't receive them. Okay, I, I need some crowd participation. I believe in you. Okay? I believe in you. Turn to the person next to you and say, we're going to have to talk out loud. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you, you, you have confidence. You can do this, okay? You can do this. I, I told you that God is the owner, Israel is the vineyard, the religious leaders are the wicked farmers, the prophets and priests that came before Jesus are the servants. So I'm going to ask you, who do you think, who do you think possibly, who could be in the story, who could be the son? 
So good, so good. Like this row killed it. Y'all killed it. These two rows, everybody else, losers. Y'all killed it, right? I'm going to give you one more chance because they got it right. I've given you the right answer. The answer is Jesus, okay? I just want you to say it out loud. So who do you think, who possibly might be in the story, who is the son? So good, so good. Okay, now there's one more we got to cover, then we're going to break it down. So at the very end of the story, it says this. Jesus says, I'll tell you what will happen. He will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. And so we have to decide who are the others, okay? And the others, if the vineyard was Israel, then the others would be Gentiles, okay? Now, that's a word we've been talking about a lot lately, and you're like, what in the heck's a Gentile? Is that like a lizard? Is it a reptile? What is it, right? A Gentile is just anybody who's not a full-blooded Jew, okay? So most of us in this room are Gentiles, Okay, you got that? So that's kind of how that story goes. All right, so now we know the players. Let's see if we can figure out, like, what is Jesus saying? It's pretty clear that what he's saying is these men that asked me a question, it sounds like they just suspect my authority, but they really want to reject my authority. And so I'm telling you the story so you can see their true motive, their true heart, which is to kill me. Now, I don't know about you, but I would say killing Jesus is a pretty good sign that you reject Jesus. Would you agree? So their whole, their whole plan is just to reject his authority. Like the wicked farmers, they were going to kill the son of the vineyard owner. It's one thing to suspect authority. These guys went beyond it and chose to reject it. Now, it's easy for us to say, well, sure, they rejected Jesus, but I would never, ever reject Jesus. I want to ask you this question. Think about this. Are we guilty and I know I am at times, of trying to silence the voice of God's authority in our lives. How do we reject the authority of God? My, my guess is you don't hold regular crucifixions in your backyard. Am I right? If you send me an invitation that says, hey, come over, we're going to do some shish, kebab, shish kebabs and a crucifixion. I ain't coming to your house. right? Like, it's not going to happen. Like, I don't think you're like building fake dummies of Jesus and reenacting the crucifixion. I mean, I get all that. We don't, we think, well, I never, I would never do what they did because they actually killed Jesus. I would never kill Jesus, right? So let me just give you some ideas, things to ponder, ways that I think we sometimes reject the authority of Jesus. We stop reading the Bible. I mean, let's, let's be honest. The Bible is the way that we hear the voice of God more than anything else. Am I right? I mean, every now and then you might hear a booming voice from heaven. But more likely, you're going to read a verse in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit's going to illuminate that verse. You're like, holy cow, that's, my, that's God's word for me. The Bible calls that a rhema word. It's like the logos, that's a Greek word, like the written word is the logos. But when it comes alive in the moment to you, that's called a rhema word. And most of us are hearing the voice of God like that. So when you put the Bible aside and say, I'm not going to read it, I don't need to read it, that's rejecting the voice of authority in your life. Okay. So I'm just making sure we don't, like, throw off on these religious leaders like they're so bad, but then we go weeks without reading the Bible, we're doing the same thing, right? Um, how about this? We start to only listen to teachers who tell us what we think is right. I'll go even further. <laughs> I'm not going to make friends today. It's okay. We listen only to teachers who tell us what we think is right because they tell us in the only way that we think is right. Well, if you don't scream with a red face, you ain't really preaching. Really? I can communicate the truth of God simply, and there can be authority. 
well, if you don't teach me with a five-point outline, you're not really preaching. Well, I could get red-faced and scream. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like we, well, I like it a certain way, so it has to be that way. If we, silenced, if we silence other people who are speaking truth because of our preference, then we've also rejected the authority of the voice of God. How about this? I know you love this, right? It's like, ugh. We, we cut off friends who tell us the truth and hold us accountable. Like, these are all ways that we reject the truth of God. These are, like, these are, we don't wear robes and we don't have tassels, and I get all that, right? But these are ways that we reject authority. And we're good at it too, right? So Jesus didn't just tell the story to reveal them, but he also did it to reveal how we are sometimes the wicked farmers. And I know you're thinking, I ain't no farmer. I'm not either, but in the story, right, we're like, we're the wicked farmers. The good news for us is that Jesus doesn't stop there. I love that. So can we just, for the last few minutes, um, can we just really hone in on verse 16 and, 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 what's, and beyond, okay? What I love about verse 16, what's interesting to me is what Jesus said and then the way the people reacted, okay? So here's what it says, verse 16. Because said, he said, what do you think will happen to the owner of the vineyard? What, what will he do to him? He says, I'll tell you, he'll come and he'll kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. And his listeners said, how terrible that such a thing should ever happen. If you have an NIV version, I think your, yours might say, may it never be. Is that what it says, something like that? God forbid, God forbid, okay. And there's another translation that says, may it never be. So what I want you to get is this, okay, follow me. Do you all like to go swimming in the pool? How many of you are shallow people? You like just hang out in the shallow end with the tube around you? So we're going to go a little, we're going to go past. Some of y'all are like your rule, um, you don't break rules. So like when that lifeguard, like the thing with the floaty things is on it, the buoys. Like, oh, can I just back up and start that over again? The rope that goes across the pool. <laughs> you never go across it if they say don't go across it. We're going to go past that a little bit. Can you hang on with me? Turn to the person next to you and say don't drown. Okay, this is going to be a little bit deep, okay? I need you to hang in there. It'll all make sense in the end, but I need you to hang with me. Give me like 10 minutes to work through this, okay? So check this out. He tells them that the owner's going to kill the farmers. The farmers are the religious leaders, the Jews, and he's going to take the vineyard, which is what Israel thought was theirs, and he's going to give it to others. Who remembers who the others are? Gentiles. Now check this out. Then they said, may it never be. They, basically, they went like this. <gasps> Do you know when they didn't do that? They didn't do that in the part of the story that talked about killing the son. They didn't do that in the part of the story that talked about judging the wicked farmers. They only did it when it sounded like what was theirs might be given to people that they thought were dogs. Now, check this out. What Jesus is saying is that God's plan has been from the beginning all nations, all races in one family. So when he tells them that, they're like, oh, no. Like, may it never be, may, may what is just for us never be given to those people. That's the plan of God, okay? Are you with me? Hang with me. That's the plan of God, all right? So if that's the plan of God, then Jesus understood that, and that's why he quoted from Psalm 118.22. He said to them, well, if, 
if you don't think that's going to happen, then why does the Scripture say the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone? Because Jesus knew, check this out, that the authorities were going to reject his authority. They were going to kill him. And instead of getting all worked up over that, don't you know who I am? He understood that their rejection was necessary for the completion of his mission. So he could have suspected their authority. He could have rejected their authority, but he accepted their authority. Why would Jesus accept the authority of really bad men? Because he trusted his father as the author of the plan. Now check this out. Here's your big idea. Accepting authority begins with trusting the author. This past week as I was prepping for this, I don't know why I never saw this before. I've spelled the word authority a bazillion times, but it dawned on me this past week that it starts with the word author. And we have to trust the author. Here's how you define author. The originator or creator of something, especially a plan or an idea. How many of you know that God has a plan for the salvation of the world? He has a plan for the inclusion of people who are not just Jew but Gentile as well. He has a plan for men, for women. He's got a plan for everybody. And he's authoring a plan. And what Jesus knew was these Jesus didn't call them jerks. I'm just saying it because that's what we all think they are anyway. Jesus knew that these jerks in front of him that were going to kill him were actually only pawns in the plan of God. That he was authoring something and he could trust his father to author the plan and he could trust his father even to use authority in his life that he didn't like in order to accomplish the plan. For us, God is writing his story through our lives, and he often uses authority in our lives to do it. That's when it gets hard. Because to truly allow God to hold the pen, to truly let him author our lives, we've got to make a shift, right? We have to accept the authority by making a shift from, and here's where it's going to get fun, stubbornness to submission. Okay? Now, a lot of us in the room are by very nature a little bit stubborn, right? So I'm with you, okay? This is, this is going to be a shift that's going to be like, this isn't as fun as the other ones, okay? But we're going to shift from stubbornness to submission. That's what we see Jesus doing here. So let's just talk through this, this chart quickly. Stubbornness says, you won't control me. Now, if you're at work and your boss asks you to do something that you don't like to do, you might not actually say that out loud. But in your heart, that's what you're saying. You don't, you don't control me. Jesus could have said, you won't control me. Who do you think you are putting this crown of thorns on my head? Do you know who I am? I'll, I'll kill you right now. I'll call down lightning. I'll call down tons of angels. They'll take care of you. He could have said that. You don't control me. But what did Jesus know? You can't control me. He was able to submit to his father because he knew that his father was the author of a plan, a higher authority over the men that were trying to kill him. John 16, I mean John 19, 11 says this. Then Jesus said to the people that were in the process of killing him, okay, he said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. What he's saying is, you can't control me. I had a pastor one time threaten to fire me. 
I know that's a shock for y'all to believe. And I said to him, and I said it with respect. I said, dude, if you have to fire me, that's fine. I'm not worried. I mean, I don't want you to, but, I mean, God called me to him, not you. I mean, he'll put me somewhere else, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I'm just, don't, if you have to let me go, let me go. It's no big deal. Like, God will take care of us. We had that conversation. Like, it's okay. He'll put us somewhere else. Like, when you accept the plan and you give God the pen, you say, look, you author the pen. You author the plan. Then authority in, our, in this world just becomes a part of how he uses, he uses them to accomplish his plan. You start getting a lot less nervous about what might happen to you because you know that the people who are trying to have power over you really can't control you. Okay, so um, crossed arms versus raised arms, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Like, you know, you can't make me versus whatever you want, God, right? Um, seeks natural power, and that's all stubbornness is, right? I mean, we just want power. But submission seeks supernatural power. You can see it in this story. These, these men are trying to kill Jesus. They have power, and they don't want to let it go. We don't have time to go into all of this, but... If you go back and, and search in the scriptures and read about when Jesus was in the garden and he was praying, like, I don't really want to die, but not my will, but your will be done. And when they came to get him, they said to him, are you the one? And he said back two words. Does anybody know what the words were? I am. Does anybody know what happened when he said those words? They all fell backwards. Like, would that be fun or what? I am. <laughs> they just all fell back. The point of it is he had supernatural power. Why? He was submitted to his father. People that are stubborn, they're just seeking, I don't want, I don't want natural power. I want supernatural power. It comes through submission. Uh, a couple more. It, stubbornness demands its way. Submission desires God's way. Um, we just talked about the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke twenty two forty two. Jesus said, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So listen, what I love about that is that we can all relate to Jesus because Jesus is looking at the cross, and I don't know what's the hardest thing you've ever done in your, done in your life, but Jesus didn't say, hey, God, yippee, the cross, woo bring it on. He's like, if there's any other way to appease your wrath against sin and establish a bridge for all of mankind to be saved, like if I could just sip a latte and it could be done, i choose that. How many of you be like, yes, latte, right? But he's like, but at the end of it, he's like, but if there's no other way, I desire your way. So let your will be done, right? That's submission. Uh, stubbornness fights with men, and submission fights for men. And then last, stubbornness bows up um, to the guys in the, in the room, to the dudes, there comes this point in our lives when we start to bow up, don't we? And we don't mean it in a, in a we're not trying to be jerks about it. We're just like, I'm a man, right? Was, and usually that's about when you're 12 and you're not a man, right? But you try to act like a man, you're like, I'm a man. Okay, no, because your voice hasn't changed yet, so it's not possible, right? But, like, we just start to kind of bow up at the people in our lives, like, you know, at your, at your dad or at, um, at, at a, a boss or somebody tells you what to do and you're just like, just try to get that chest out as far as you possibly can. I'm a man, right? It's just, we try, I don't, it's just who we are. And I get it, right? I get that. But what submission does is it bows down. Stubbornness bows up. Submission bows down. 
That's what we see in Jesus. The most powerful person to ever walk the planet, right? Do we agree on that? Somebody's going to submit. Ain't no doubt about it. <laughs> but Jesus bows down, okay? Okay, this, we're going to cut this out of the video. But two went that way and two went this way. There's three going that way. And whoever they're after, they're going to get them at that corner over there because <laughs> they're definitely they're doing the whole surround thing. We're going to cut that out. <laughs> huh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Or we'll leave it in. Who cares? Okay, so um, I, I know that's a lot. So what I want to do is I need, a, I need some help, so I'm just giving you a warning because I know if you're an introvert like me, this is when you have a panic attack, okay? I'm not going to force anybody to help me, but I'm just letting you know up front that I'm going to get some volunteers. So I'm just, are you breathing? Everybody keep breathing, okay? If you're an introvert, this is when you want to point to extroverts. Pick them, pick them. So um, I want to help you with a visual, if I can do that, okay? Because this is a lot to take in. And I want you to really get that accepting authority on this planet begins by trusting the author, okay? So God is a higher authority than the people that are in our lives. Because can we, I'll be honest, there are some really bad authorities, are there not? So we're, I'm not teaching this lightly like just suck it up and bow down to them. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? So we've got to find a way. If we're going to actually submit and accept authority on this planet, we have got to find a way to almost like bypass that authority and see God, okay? So here's what I need. Um, first, I need a dude. Okay, here's, here comes my dude. Oh, this will be so much fun. Okay, so um, if you'll just stand up here, the good news is you're going to get to feel that fan. Doesn't that feel good? Yeah, it feels great. Now, I need somebody who is um, nimble. Do you know what nimble means? Nimble means you can get down on the floor and still get back up. So that rules out everybody over 35 probably, right? Um, do I have somebody that could that would be willing to help me out with that? Anybody? Cody, thanks. Okay, great. <laughs> I thought you were going to get up anyway. I thought I saw you moving. So good job. So what I need you to get on this side right here. Okay, perfect. Now um, what I need you to do is you're, gonna, you're doing great. Okay, can we, just, can we build them up and give them a big hand? They're doing so good, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so what I need you to do is I need you to, t to turn and face God. Perfect. So, and I need you, yeah, you're playing God, okay? Listen, it's an illustration, okay? It's, it's, it's an, look, this afternoon, remind him this was an illustration. Yeah, okay, like he's not really God. Okay, so now I need you just to bow before the Lord, okay? Good. And you can go all the way down, face down, all the way down, and just stay there. Now, listen, this is what we all want, is it not? Okay, I've done a horrible job teaching, okay, or you're being, or you're being very honest, okay, either way. But what we, this is a picture of what we want in our lives. I mean, look, if we could get rid of everybody else, if I could snap my fingers and it was just you and God, I would pray that this is what we would see. Am I right? I mean, nobody's walking to heaven and going, oh, there's God. Good to see you. What's up? Right? Nobody's doing that. We're bowing down before him. Am I right? Okay, so Cody's bowing before God. Don't let it go to your head. Okay. Now, here's what I need. Um, I need uh, somebody who, I'm trying to think how I can word this. Um, you've got a good angry face. I'm not saying you're a mad person. I'm just saying that when you, when you, you can, like you have, 
if looks could kill, you're a murderer. Does that make sense? Like you've got that face that's just stone cold. Like your, your kids know when you've had enough, right? Like you could just, does anybody here have that? You're probably the happiest person on the planet, but you've got to, is it you? They're volunteering you. I don't know if that's true. And you're laughing about it. You're like, it's not me. It's, it's obviously not. <laughs> anybody? You don't have to do anything. It's just, just stand there. We'll get, hold on. You did it like, uh, anybody else? Anybody? Okay, I knew it was Josh. I was, I was just talking until Josh would volunteer because I knew it was him. Josh, you know I'm kidding because you're, you're big. Um, you're, okay, I want you to stand, just stand up here in, in between them. And so no, just come here right here with me and um, turn towards Cody. And you're good. Keep your head down, Cody. Thank you. And um, what I need you to do is I need you to be Cody's boss for just a second. And you are a jerk. So you don't have to say anything. Just how would you look if you were his boss? And you were a jerk. Just kind of like you're looking now. I am so scared right now. I cannot even tell you how scared I am. Are you good? That fan feels good, doesn't it? No, you're great. You're such, you're such a passive-aggressive boss. I don't know what's happening. One minute you're, you're mad and then you're laughing. It's really freaking me out a little bit. I feel bad for you. Okay, so what else? I don't know. I think God's mocking you. I'm not sure what's happening. So, um, so what I want you to see is this, okay? Here's what I want you to see. Listen, you're good. Stay right there. Be angry. Um, you, you could, we had the perfect picture, didn't we, of how we would be with God. Can, I, can we be honest? The reason why that picture gets jacked up is people. They just tend to get in the way of us and God. And here's how I know. And, and don't take this bad if you've ever said this. I've said it. Have you ever found yourself saying things like, I love God. I just don't like church. It's because church has people, right? It's the same reason why you love God but don't like Walmart, right? It's because it's got people. Like people just tend to get in the way. Get angry, say what they say there, block his view of God, whatever you have to do. So what I want you to see is usually in this situation, what Cody's going to do is stand, is, is stand up and he's going to bow up to his boss. Whoa, 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 slow down. Wow. Part two will be on anger management. So um, he's going to bow up. He's going to be like, who do you think you are? He's going to start going through that whole list of stubbornness. You can't, you don't control me. I mean, all they're going to start fighting with each other. But the truth of the matter is, the way that you handle authority in your life is you go back to the position that he was in before and you submit through this jerk to God. Now, here's what happens. Okay, just be angry again. No, no, you're, you're doing great. You, yeah. The Bible actually says this. There's, there's verses that talk about this, that we can live in such a way, respecting authority, that they would see the truth. And so I believe that if we would submit to God through jerks, that eventually... His boss sees the gospel in Cody and suddenly gets saved because of how he handled it. The Bible actually says that you can live your life in such a way that when those who are against you speak evil of you, others won't believe it. And this is the picture, right? Because there's always people getting in the way of us and God. Thank you so much. Y'all did great. Give him a big hand. So the, 
what, what matters the most for us is this. Are there jerks out there? Yes. So teaching on authority would be easy if everybody in authority over us was nice. If, like, instead of it being a jerk of a boss, they were bringing us chocolate chip cookies, we'd be like, sweet, man, I'm all over that. I'll submit to you all day long. Give me a cookie, right? I mean, that makes sense. But it's not like that. It's not like that. We, we, we tend to think, what, what do I do with bad authority? And what I want you to get is this. If anybody ever had the ability to snap their finger and get rid of bad authority, it would have been Jesus. But Jesus accepted the authority of this planet, even the authority that was going to reject him and kill him, because he knew that that was necessary for the author's plan to be finished. So when we say stuff like, well, if Jesus only knew my boss, he just laughs and goes, seriously? I mean, they, they didn't give you a raise. Authority in my life killed me. He gets it. He gets it. We accept authority by beginning to trust the author. So Jesus didn't come to evil men who wanted to kill him. He didn't, I'm sorry, he didn't cower to evil men who wanted to kill him. He submitted to a good father who wanted to save those men. I want this morning to call you to live submitted lives to God. If you live a submitted life to God, it will look like you're submitting to your authorities. And here's the truth, right? And then we'll close and get out of here. How many of you have authorities in your life that if you actually did bow to God, but they thought you were bowing to them, they'd be like, it's about time. You know those people? Like, have you ever forgiven somebody just hoping that they would then say that they needed to be forgiven? And you're like, I just want you to know I forgive you. And they're like, for what? For being the biggest jerk on the planet. That's what. But you're just like, uh, what? <laughs> like, you could submit your life to God, and they'll think you're actually bowing to them. And they'll actually like that. They'll be like, it's about time you bow down to me. Bow down some more. That's what they were saying to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He just kept submitting to God. He submitted to God through them. I'm telling you, if, if we'll do that, man, our worlds will look so much different. The bosses might not change for a while. Your spouse may not change for a while. But when you bow yourself before the Lord, I'm telling you, all of heaven is on your side against that authority. I want you, again, to live your life submitted to God. I want you to submit your life to the author. I believe it's the only way that his story is written through our lives. And that's what we want more than anything else is for his story to be written in our lives. And he's going to use the authorities in our lives to do it. So trust the author with a pen. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes, bow your head, and I want you to picture in your mind the one authority that you struggle with the most. It's possible they're sitting next to you. Just picture their face. Could be a teacher. Could be a boss. It could be your pastor. You could be picturing me right now. It's possible. I hope not, but it's possible. And then I want you, while you're picturing their face, because when we see their face, we can feel so powerless against them. I just want you to do in your mind what we just did on this platform. I want you to picture God behind them. Do you see him? 
When we see the face of God, man, our first instinct is to bow before him. And when we bow before him, honestly, just like Cody had his face down, we're not even aware of the people walking in between us and God. And I'm just praying that right now you would see God exalted and lifted up and powerful. God, our prayer is that our lives would be submitted to you first and foremost. And when they are, God, not that we're making light of the struggle, because the struggle's real, but when our lives are submitted to you, it doesn't really matter who else is trying to have authority over us. Because they might have authority, but they are not the author of our plan. Only you are. And so we trust you with the pen. We trust you to use people in our lives to accomplish your purposes. And that when it's all said and done and we look back, man, it's going to be a good story. You are a great author. And we trust you to write your story in our lives. In your name, Jesus. Amen.